helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, Five Important Tips for Parents. In last week's show, Five Dangers of the Good Child, I used the biblical narrative of the prodigal son to highlight the challenges faced by good children in families where there is a rebellious child. This week's show will highlight five pitfalls that parents should avoid to not cause emotional harm to the good child or good children in the family. Last week we said that the family system in which there is a rebellious child poses certain risk for the rebellious child, the good child, and for the parents. In, in the narrative of the prodigal son, we read of the frustration and anger of the good child, but it comes in as a secondary point in the story. In other words, it is not as big a deal as the rebellious son simply returning home where he belonged in the first place. Simply returning home stole the spotlight. While the son who was there working day after day didn't have that kind of spotlight in the story. The dynamic in which the good child's needs take backstage to the needs and actions of the rebellious child plays out in real life as well, plays out in families today. As, as we established in last week's show, the good child often feels neglected and unappreciated because the parent's energy is expended on dealing with the drama and the chaos caused by the rebellious child. We see this in the biblical story with, of the prodigal son. The father's energy seems to be focused on first anticipating the return of the rebellious son. We are told in the narrative that he looked and he saw him a far way off. So it would seem from the narrative that day after day, the, the father was anticipating the son's return. And he's looking in the distance day after day, wondering, is this the day when my son will return home? We see also that when the son returns, the father's energy is focused on celebrating his return. The good son is only noticed when he didn't turn up to the party in honor of the rebellious son. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you are in this family where you are following all the rules or you were in that kind of a family growing up where you were the good child, where you did everything according to the book. 
marks where you got A's and A pluses, but the 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 son or the the sibling that you had when he got a D or just simply attended school, it was a big deal because he rebelled and often missed school. This story is painting such a dynamic between us. We see, as I said before, the rebellious son stealing the spotlight by doing something that the good son did day after day. He was home day after day, and he never got a party thrown in his honor. But the rebellious son simply walks up the the, the, the road and he is welcomed and there is a celebration. And we are told in Luke 15 verse 28 that the older brother in this story, I am referring to him as the good child, that he became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. That is verse 28. So the father had to go out and plead with the son to come in. Where, As I said last week, the story left us on a sort of a cliffhanger because we are never told whether or not he actually went in to celebrate his brother's return. My feeling is that he didn't, but that's just pure speculation. The Bible did not say, but the fact that he was so angry and that the father had to come out in the field to plead with him shows me that there was a serious wound that this good son was carrying with him. And I am aware that this parable is meant to illustrate God's willingness to forgive us when we repent. And so I am looking at it through different lens today. But I think even though it's a parable with a spiritual meaning, Jesus in this parable is using an earthly family to illustrate a spiritual point. So we should not impose perfection on the Father in the story. We can miss the cultural and psychological richness of the parables told by Jesus if we forget that there are stories based on real people, real issues, and cultural norms that existed in Jesus' day. Perhaps Jesus was at the celebration for the returning son and saw this as a fitting story to illustrate how God rejoices when someone who is gone astray returns home. With this in mind, I do not think it is sacrilegious to look at this family through psychological lens and to use it to help us avoid pitfalls in our own families. So I want to use the story looking at some of the imperfections that this father displayed in how he dealt with the dynamic in this story. And I want to use it to highlight five important tips for parents, five things that parents should keep in mind to avoid causing emotional damage to good child or good children in the relationship. The first point I have alluded to already in the introduction. The first point is that parents should 
reserve time and energy for the good child. We see in the story that the father seemed to have been focused on the rebellious son's absence. He was looking for him in the distance, wondering when he would be coming home. We see him running to meet him, which symbolizes expending of energy, running to meet this son. And we see him throwing a party in his honor. But we didn't see any energy being expended for the good child in the story. And so it's no wonder that this good son is angry when he hears the music and is told by a servant that there was a party thrown in the honor of his returning rebellious brother. His heart didn't jump for joy, rejoicing that his brother had returned home because he felt neglected. So maybe you're in a situation like that where as an adult child to your parent, you are the good child. You're the one taking your aging parents to doctor visits. You're the one looking after their property. But your rebellious brother turns up once a year and he does something and it's as if you know, there is some great celebration for the, the the one task that he did all year. But your efforts, because you are there day after day, is not highlighted as such a big deal. So if you know what that feels like, you can empathize with this older brother, this good son in the story, because he is home every day. And there is no party in his honor. But this rebellious son that, as he said when we read the the narrative last week, that he wasted the father's money on prostitutes is now home. And there is a big celebration because he has come home. And uh, as I said, we are looking at this story from... A psycholo- through psychological lenses, but I know that there are spiritual implications that Jesus is bringing out by telling this story. But I'm using it to look at the family dynamics at play here because this doesn't depict a perfect family. So the first mistake, as I said before, that parents make is that they do not reserve time and energy for the good child. All their their time and energy seem to be focused on the rebellious child. The second point is that parents should show appreciation for obedience. There was nothing done in the story to show that the efforts of the good child is appreciated. And so this is spelled out very clearly for us in Luke 15 verse 29 when we read, All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And by referring to the young goat, he's comparing it to the fatted calf that was killed for his returning wayward brother. But he's saying 
You, you didn't even give me a young goat so I could celebrate and I have been here slaving for you and never disobeyed your order. So in other words, I have been the obedient child. I have been the good son. I have been the ones who, the one who have, who has been following all your orders and what have you done for me? There is nothing I can point to that show your appreciation for my obedience and for my diligence. And so in in parenting, we should make sure that we show appreciation for obedience. Because if we show appreciation for the good deeds of the wearer child and don't show appreciation for for the obedience of the good child, we are setting up a, a dynamic among the sibling where there is going to be animosity and hatred. And we see the animosity in this story that the older son has no compassion for the, the, the returning brother. He is not happy to see him because seeing him return is bringing back his pain. As we said last week, this would not have been the first time the younger son rebelled because rebellion starts in childhood and the obedient child starts being obedient in childhood. And those of you with parents know those of you as parents who have children know what I am talking about. You start seeing these signs earlier on in life. So show appreciation. The second tip is show appreciation for obedience. The third tip is for parents is that parents should promote emotional intelligence. In this story, we are told that the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so he's getting in touch with his emotions. Maybe for years he hadn't said anything. He had always obeyed and did what the father, what the father wanted. But now, because of this deep pain, he's refusing to go in. And I just want to underline that phrase and emphasize that phrase, that phrase, refusing to go in. It was probably the first time in his life that the good child is now saying, I can't take this anymore. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to be going in to celebrate that party with this son of yours. Notice in the parable, he, call, he didn't call him his brother. He called him this son of yours. If you read Luke 15 and those verses that we referred to last week, he's referred to as this son, not as my brother. So what do I mean by promoting emotional intelligence? In that we should allow children to express how they feel and not to get upset with them if they're angry. Because by being angry, they're getting in touch with, with an emotion. They're getting in touch with how they feel. But the dynamic that we see, uh, in families where there is a rebellious child is that when the good child, uh, expresses anger or start 
behaving in ways that they aren't, that they, they, they do not ordinary or regularly behave in those ways, ways that are, are not in keeping with their character. Parents are triggered because of all that they have gone through with the rebellious child and they tend to come down very heavily on the good child. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, Five Important Tips for Parents. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. And so it's important to understand that if you shut down the emotions of the good child, you will cause emotional harm and maybe even mental illness to occur in that child. So allow for expression of emotions. I think what the father could have done in that situation is to say, son, tell me more about how you feel. I understand that you feel that way. Yes, maybe I was remiss to not uh, give, not, not show more appreciation for your hard work and for your diligence and for being here with me all these years when your brother was gone, and I really appreciate you. Well, the father did say, you know, all that I have is yours. So in a sense, he, he is telling the son that he is, he is valued. But I think there is a way that when we allow children to be angry and speak to what they're angry about and, and accept the ways in which we have wronged them, that we help them to heal emotionally. So the the third point is promote emotional intelligence by acknowledging the pain, by speaking about the pain, and by confessing the things that you have done as parents to contribute to that to that pain and allow allow that anger because if you shut it down that anger will go somewhere else and it might result in physiological symptoms or psychological symptoms ask them how they feel if if you have a good child who is not expressing their feelings but is just doing what you want day after day ask them about their feelings how they feel about their rebellious brother how they feel about what's happening in the family and help them to express their emotions in healthy ways. In healthy ways, many good children feel responsible for keeping their parents happy because of the dynamic they see playing out with the rebellious child. They feel it is my duty to make my parents happy. It could be that the good son in the story felt responsible for working harder because his brother had abandoned the family. Notice his words in verse 29. 
all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Why is he slaving? Why is he always obeying? Maybe he feels responsible for making up for the lack of obedience and hard work of the younger brother. That is in Luke 15 verse 29. And the fourth point is that Parents should not link love with performance or with being good. It's very dangerous to link love with performance or being good. Many good children feel their parents' love are conditional and so become afraid to express themselves and their desires because of a fear of being quote-unquote bad. And they equate bad if they if they disagree or if they express how they really feel because love is seen as being conditional. They're afraid of being on love. And so there are things that parents should avoid in order to not create this feeling of conditional love. And I think it is it's important for us to know how to use the phrase I love you because sometimes we can use that phrase in ways that make love seems conditional. For example, if you say I love you after the child gets a high mark or after they excel at something. The message that you might be sending to that child unintentionally is that I love you when you perform well or I love you when you ex- when you when you excel at something. So that child might come away with the feeling I need to work harder and harder to to hear that phrase I love you or to feel mom and dad's love. And so there are many Many children who are jumping through hoops and they're excelling academically and they're excelling in sports. And none of these things are bad. Don't get me wrong. But they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're doing it because they feel that this is how they can get their parents' approval. This is how they can feel loved by their parents. So I think it's important not to not to create this conditional love scenario by the words that you use. So when the Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue, we tend to think of that to mean if you say bad words, you will harm someone. But sometimes how we use good words can be damaging as well. So the fourth point is don't link love with performance or with being good. And the fifth and fi- the fifth and final point is to avoid toxic praise. So we we should be careful how we praise praise kids because if we praise children for for things that they cannot control, for example, if we praise them for being gifted, that can cause harm to the child. So if you if the child ex- excels at something and you said you are so smart or you have got talent, 
that might be something, those are things that might be out of their control, being smart, because they might think, I am smart, things should come easy. And so when they are faced with something that is difficult for them to do, they might just give up. Because they're feeling there must be something wrong. If I am smart and I can't do this, then something must be wrong with me. Instead, praise children for their effort. Carol Dweck did research. Carol Dweck and and colleagues have done research that showed that if we praise kids for their ability, they become more cautious and they avoid challenges. And they might unintentionally get the message that you either have it or you don't have it. I am either this way or not. So they see themselves as being in a fixed state. So if something, if they can't do something, they just give up because this is outside of my ability. Whereas if you praise a child for their effort, the research done by Carol Dweck shows that they will try harder to, to, to solve a problem and to overcome challenges if you praise for effort because they will feel, if I just work harder at this thing, I'll be able to figure it out. Whereas children who are, who are praised for being talented or for being smart, they just give up. And we know that there are many talented and smart children who doesn't achieve their potential. And and part of that could be the way that they see themselves as being in a fixed state. So so avoid toxic praise, and that's one kind of toxic praise, praising kids for being smart or being talented. Another kind of toxic praise is is when you praise kids when you give extreme praise, if you say you are perfect or you're incredible or you're amazing, those kind of extreme praise can cause the children to feel that there, there's such a high standard that is now set that it might be impossible for them to, to replicate. And so they might worry about what can I, can I, can I repeat this in the future? If this is amazing and incredible, can I do another incredible, amazing thing? And they might play it cautious and not try again. There was experiments done in 2014 by Brummelman and company in 2014 where they showed that when you praise kids with these extreme kinds of praise that kids with low self-esteem at the beginning of the study were less likely to improve and that kids with average levels of self-esteem were more likely to get worse. And what they found is that these extreme kinds of praise like you're amazing and you're incredible, that children with high self-esteem became narcissistic. So we are to be careful of toxic kinds of praise. So there you there you have it. So instead of toxic praise, let's praise kids for their effort by saying things like, I, I like the, the way you, you, you worked hard at this proj- project, or I can tell that you have been working at this. This is a job well done because those things can be replicated, but being incredible 
you know, if they fail, it's not something that they, they're likely to be able to recover from. So there you have it, five important tips for parents. And so I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. I want to remind you that we're on the air every Monday morning at 9.30 a.m. So if you have tuned in by chance this week, then be sure to join us on Purpose next week where we'll have another interesting show for you. I want to also remind you that all these shows are uploaded to our YouTube channel. If you type in ELM Counseling Services in YouTube, you will see uh, our channel with over 300 shows. And I want to thank those of you who have commented and have liked our videos. It really helps us to get the message across. You can also help us by subscribing to our channel. Another way you can help us is by donating to this ministry. We are a not-for-profit organization, so your donation helps us to provide subsidized counseling to those who need it but may not be able to afford it and also helps us to keep these podcast on the air. You can fi- you can find out more about us at our at our website elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E L I M counseling with two L's ministry.com. Or you can call us at 18775443546. And so until next time this is your host Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.